Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. As you can see, if you're watching, we have Brian Baldinger on the line. He's not in the studio. He's upset about it. So, Baldy, we got to get you up here soon, man. Well, you know, it's, it's hard to get me and drag me out of my film, you know, room here. Okay. I'm in yeah, a film room in NFL films. It's my home away from home. But let, let's just make this clear right now. That beautiful new studio that you guys are in at One Jet Drive, that is not a Christian studio until I'm there live doing some programming with you guys. All right, let's, let's put that down. Let's make sure that that it's going to happen pretty soon. The record has been noted. Uh, Baldy, how beautiful does it appear as you're sitting there in the lab right now, the victory tree behind me at one jet's drive. It's striking guys. It's great. And you know, it's a credit to Woody Johnson on down, like the, the investment they made in the studio, um, the whole facility, like it's state of the art, anybody coming to the Jets right now, whether you're a player or you're a coach, uh, you're a visitor, you're from the media, whatever, you're going to be blown away by the facilities all the way around. So it's, right. it's first class. Uh, Baldy, speaking of first class, do the Jets have this thing headed in the right direction with this partnership up top, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala? Yes, I do. I do believe they've finally gotten it right. It's taken a long time. I think there's been a lot of you know missteps since maybe Mike Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan were there uh, a decade ago. But I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, Joe got his guy. Uh, as, as you have found out, that Jet fans will find out that Robert Sala is a fiery leader, that, um, you know, what he says, people follow in step. And uh, you can just tell the way this thing is coming together that Joe Douglas has a vision. And ultimately, guys, anybody, me, you, but anybody can pick players. Anybody can go to the draft and pick players. Anybody go to free agency and write checks. But ultimately, you got to build a team. And I think that's what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are doing. They're, they're building a team that can withstand the, the adversity, the injuries, uh, the things that happen to any football team during the course of a season, during the course of a year. I think it's going to be built to withstand some of those pressure points that can happen to a team. You know, Baldy, it's been a while since we've caught up with you, and you're talking about free agency and the draft, and I'm just curious. You know, we've seen the Baldy breakdowns on NewYorkJets.com. Check them out. But what did you make of not only the free agency that the Jets have, but also the draft when you kind of look at it from a 30,000-foot view? Well, like I have, you know, mentioned throughout the offseason, I mean, they played the Miami Dolphins twice last year. They scored a grand total of three points. Like, that's just, I don't care how good your defense is. That's never going to get it done. And so if you just start on the offensive side of the ball and you start with Zach Wilson, you guys saw his arm and the arm talent that everybody fell in love with this offseason. You saw it the first mini camp with the rookies. Um, and then, you know, what Joe is going to do, which is going to never stop building around your quarterback. It started last year with the drafting of Mekhi Becton. You know, my, my breakdowns on Highway 77 are legit. <laughs> like this guy moves mountains, okay? He's a John Deere tractor and a pair of shoes. Um, and you put Oliveira Tucker next to him, you can start to see the backside of that line that can protect Zach Wilson for a long time. Um, you look at, you know, the receiving core right now with Corey Davis and Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, you know, uh, whoever else is there, Braxton Berrios, Vincent Smith. You can see, like, that's a dynamic-looking group that can run, that has size, that has playmaking ability. You look at the running back position right now with like Michael Pirine, 
the draft deal, Michael Carter, that was eight yards of carry at North Carolina last year. That's legit. Uh, bringing in Tevin Coleman. You look at this offense, there's no reason why this offense can't go up and down the field on teams and really have an answer to great defenses. And they should be able to score, you know, in the 20s most weeks. Let's stay right there on the offensive side of the ball. Michael Fleur is going to be calling the shots for the first time in his career. What do you think about LaFleur being in that Shanahan system at both San Francisco and Atlanta and watching Kyle do it? And then also two veteran influences on this staff, John Benton, mm-hmm. who is going to be the run game coordinator, and then Greg Knapp, a longtime offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in the National Football League. Well, I've known Greg Rettenapp a long, long time. You know, I've caught, I've known his career from the Falcons, the Raiders. I mean, he's bounced around. But wherever Greg Knapp goes, your quarterback play is typically better. Mm-hmm. I, Greg Knapp was there in Atlanta when Matt Ryan was a rookie in 2008. They went from 3-13 and 13 to a playoff team. Greg Knapp was a big part of that staff. Um, but Greg Knapp was with Mike Vick in Atlanta. You know, just he's been around a lot of young quarterbacks. He kind of knows how to groom them. John Benton is a really vital to this running game because this whole offense is based off the wide zone. And there's different ways to teach it. Um, you know, Mike McDaniels is the run game coordinator of San Francisco right now. Um, he's probably um, the master in this, in this whole industry right now, trying to get that play run right. But it's the foundational play. At the end of the day, uh, if you run 10 running plays on Sundays, seven of them are going to be wide zone. So, you, you know, they're, they're going to have to perfect and master that play. And then from that, on first and second downs, you're going to get a variety of play action passes. And you're going to get really clean looks at open receivers. It, it, just, it just happens. Um, teams spend so much time and energy trying to stop that zone that it's going to open up windows in the passing game. It just does. It's proven. And so it started with Mike Shanahan, you know, in Denver a long time ago. Kyle has adopted it. Uh, their play-action game took him all the way to the Super Bowl. He took the play-action game with the Matt Ryan and Atlanta all the way to the Super Bowl. And so uh, the Jets are going to be able to run the football. I mean, that's just going to be a staple of what they do on Sundays. You know, going off of that, Baldy, the end of the day, let's say Zach Wilson does start week one, and he's obviously number two overall pick. What is What are realistic expectations for Wilson in year one in a system that you described as run heavy and most people say is very quarterback friendly? I would agree with those comments. I'd say the number one goal, honestly, for Zach Wilson is to line up and play 17 games this year. Because ultimately, quarterbacks that win a lot of games over a long period of time, play a lot of games. They stay healthy. They take care of themselves. You know, they know how to get themselves out of harm's way. Um, obviously, everybody's going to get hit. Can you get up from the hit? That's the first goal for Zach Wilson. Play 17 games. Then from there, you go, okay, let's just see progress. There's a lot of different ways you can measure the progress by statistics, points, all those kind of things. I believe that if Zach Wilson plays 17 games, just the eye test, we're going to see an improved player. By the time you get to the end of the schedule, we're going to see a guy that's going to make plays in week 16, 17, 18 that maybe we didn't see weeks one, two, and three. Let's see that progress, just the eye test, without the analytics, without the stats. Let's just see the eye test that this is an improving player and an improving offense. 
And let's just, see, let, let's just ultimately, through 17 starts, let's see real leadership. Um, you know, when to, you know, when to really step up and, and pull the team together and take them down for that fourth quarter comeback victory. How about the guys that he's thrown to? And you talked about it a little bit already, but the, Corey Davis comes here, former top five pick. I had 65 catches in Tennessee last season. Big-bodied receiver, good catch radius, can come up with the contested ball. I think there's a lot of similarities. He's had the production that Denzel Mims, you're hopefully going to get opposite him, but I just see similarities in their body types and maybe the way they play. And then Keelan Cole comes in from Jacksonville, and he's got some versatility, can play inside, outside, and the Jets are doing backflips here about Elijah Moore. How improved is this group overall? Well, they have everything that you need outside, you know, to win outside, to win down the field, to win on third downs. They have everything it takes, you know, at the wide receiving position to win. Um, ultimately, in this business, uh, EA, the wide receiver has got to beat man coverage. You know, if Denzel Mims is lining up this year, you know, in week two against – you know, a great corner in New England, um, you know, you've got to be able to beat man coverage. And that's what you're going to get with the Patriots, you know, right away. And so, you know, I think Denzel Mims showed last year that that guy can run. When he got healthy, he can run. He can run by people. Um, he's got good hands. And, and really, Corey Davis, the same thing. And then, you know, when you start looking at guys like Elijah Moore and you watch what he did at Ole Miss, um, he is an explosive stick of TNT. I mean, in his first eight games at Ole Miss this year, he led the SEC in receiving. Um, that's not easy to do, all right? I mean, Devontae Smith had 117 catches. This guy was on pace for more than that. So uh, this guy in the slot, he's, he can break tackles. He's a great route runner. He's a double move guy. He can beat your slot corner. So Keegan Cole has been that guy in Jacksonville. I've seen him, you know, up close. I, I think they've got a really dynamic group. It's going to come down to just building trust and building relationships with these guys right now. Baldy, I love your your analogies here. Explosive stick of TNT, Elijah Moore, John Deere tractor and shoes, Mackay Becton. I love it. But I do have a, a question for you outside of just complimenting your yes. use of the English language here. So, yeah. you know, as we record this in May, I'm curious, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Do you see an X factor for the Jets? Maybe like a, it could be a wild card. I, I have a couple of my own that I have questions on. And like, if this guy plays well, the Jets could really be an improved team in 2021. But I'm curious through the lens in which you look, who is that player for the Jets? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you know, we haven't gotten to the defense. I don't know no. if you want to start with the defense. You, you, or not. Can go. you can take us there, Baldy. Well, I mean, I think Carl Lawson was a great signing. Um, let's face it. This draft was bereft of any lockdown edge pass rushers. They all had question marks about them. Every guy, even first round talent. I mean, you're you're basically drafting in the draft on potential, which is dangerous. So in free agency, the edge rushers won free agency. And so to me, Carl Lawson was my favorite edge rusher in free agency and the Jets got him. Uh, this guy is is uh is buffed up. He's rocked up. Uh, he's got moves. Uh, I don't know how Cincinnati let him out, to be honest with you. It, I would never have let, not allowed that to happen. 
But I believe that he's just going to take off. Like if the Jets' motto is to take flight, I think Carl Lawson can take flight. He can win one-on-ones. He can beat good tackles. He's got a, a variety of moves. He got he got a second contract. I think Carl Lawson was a great signing. I think if you if you take a healthy Jared Davis and ECJ Mosley, I mean those are two number one draft picks. Um, you know, inside linebacker right now. Um, you know, those guys aren't easy to find. And a lot of teams don't like to make the investment uh, in middle linebacker, inside linebackers. But those two guys can can do it all, like stay on the field every down, cover, um, sideline to sideline, blitz. I mean, they've got the ability. Jared Davis has shown the ability. Now, he hasn't played well. He got injured a little bit in Detroit. But, I don't know, Detroit looks like a mess to me. Um, sometimes you got to take, you know, good players from bad teams. And so I think the inside linebacker position can be really, really healthy for the Jets for the first time in a long, long time. Baldy, do you like to switch to a 4-3? Listen, I've been here since 2001. you got to go back to the early stages of Herm Edwards, the last time the Jets were running a 4-3, and they're making that transition. You mentioned Lawson before. What do you think about what the Jets potentially have in the middle? Quinnen Williams exploded last season, really took off with the seven sacks. A lot of people think that he could become the second-best defensive tackle in the National Football League after Aaron Donald. You signed a former first-round pick in Sheldon Rankins, who just two years ago in New Orleans had eight sacks. You, so you have versatility up front where, Baldy, in passing situations, maybe you line Quinnen Williams up to Sheldon Rankins, whereas if you know the other team is playing on running and maybe they're going bigger personnel, you can put Sheldon, uh, excuse me, Quinn and William next to Fuller Runzo Fadakasi, and you so, you have some depth there. And think about Lawson playing off those guys in the middle who can penetrate in the interior. Well, two years ago, Robert Sala's 49ers, led by Nick Boza and DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and all the horses they had there, they led the league in sacks with 55. I mean, I said it was Shark Week every week. And it was a feeding frenzy. And when they turned the boys loose up front, um, it was tough on quarterbacks. And they've got them. And they played seven or eight guys every week. And you're starting to see that depth right now. Um, it is a lot easier for quarterbacks, the elite quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, whatever, Patrick Mahomes. It's a lot easier for these elite quarterbacks in the league to avoid the edge rushers. It's not so easy when they get inside pressure. Uh, and so that's where uh, Quinnen, where Sheldon Rankins, uh, where, you know, Fularonzo, like, that's where the inside pressure can really be beneficial and really help out everybody else, whether it's Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, whoever else is coming off the edge. So I, I expect some feeding frenzies on Sunday by this defensive line. And there's only one way to play defensive line for Robert Sala. It is, um, let's just say it's all out, okay? Let's just say it's full metal jacket, all right? And if you're a little gassed, it's early in the season, uh, it's fourth quarter, then you take yourself out, next guy's up. But it is full metal jacket. That's only one way to play. That means you take care of the screen game, uh, any screens, defense line, turn and run. That means sideline to sideline. That means getting the ball out on fumbles, come chasing from behind. Uh, running backs and tight ends and whatnot. So 
I think it's going to be fun to watch this defensive line play under Robert Sala because that's his specialty. Baldy's juiced up. I love this full metal jacket. Baldy, what what it wait uh, like unrelated to the Jets when we're in this kind of lull between the draft, the schedule release now in May, and training camp. You know, we, we usually hear your Baldy's breakdowns in season, game to game, week to week. But what is this time like for you? Like, are you just watching old film? I saw you put out a 2009 Jets breakdown the other month. Uh, it could be whatever like strikes me. Like I. I think I might just go back and watch Peyton Manning's 500 touchdown passes here next week and just, you know, just see, okay, which is the best 25 since he's walking into the hall of fame this year. I might do a Peyton Manning breakdown. He's out to break. He's out there trying to do what I'm doing. He's not doing as good a job as me, but he's doing his Peyton Manning breakdowns. Maybe I'll break Peyton Manning down, you know, next week. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the Jets offensive line was elite, you know, uh, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I mean, Alan Fanica and Nick Mangold and, you know, I mean, the whole DeBrick, I mean, it was an elite group. Um, I kind of did that to tease Jet fans going, when's the next elite group coming? Like, could, can it be this season? Is that too quick? Is it too early in the development to think that this group could be in that category that we saw a decade ago? It's certainly on the come. There's no doubt about that from what we saw from Becton his rookie season, Highway 77, as Baldy says. Elijah Vera Tucker, love his versatility. What do you think about that left side potentially now early on in these guys' careers and also the potential, what they could be down the line? Because we were were talking to Daniel Jeremiah about it the other day, and DJ said everybody thinks in terms of these guys helping the run game on the left side. How about the way they're going to come down and help on the right side? Yeah, well, I mean, just write it down right now. Put it, make it a feature. It's the Bash <laughs> Brothers. It's the Bash Brothers, Vera Tucker and and Becton. I mean, just widen the highway. Highway seventy seven is just getting wider. All right. I mean, that's all it is. Like you're just going to get a freeway now. It was a highway. Now we're getting a freeway. Uh, and so you you might get the, you know, eventually you'd like to get the New Jersey Turnpike and get five guys just road grading people. Uh, I don't know if they're there yet, but that's that'd be a That'd be a pipe dream for LaMichael P. Ryan and Michael Carter and those guys that are going to run behind those tractors. I think more importantly, if Vera Tucker starts at left guard and let's just say he wears his college number 75, is that then highway or as you said, freeway 775? Is that, can we do that? Or is that too much? Don't put words in my mouth. Don't do that. I don't know know what's going to happen. I mean, I got to wait and see it. You know, I got to see some destruction first. Let me see, you know, just uh, a wake of bodies just sprawled out all over the turf. Week one against Carolina. Let me see, you know, Derek Brown just eating grass seed week one, you know, from a double team uh, by Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. If I see that, then who knows what's going to come out of my mouth. I, I can't I can't pre- predict what's going to happen. Don't put expectations on Baldies. I'm no. not trying to. Let it, let it I'm come not trying to. Just let it come. Yeah, and maybe sometime, maybe it takes a year, maybe it takes two years, but it's eventually going to be the New Jersey Turnpike, and it's going to be five lanes on that. <laughs> hey, Baldy, what do you think about this division top to bottom? For years, for two decades, uh, people were talking about taking down the New England Patriots. I think this division is in a better spot, one through four, however you're going to rank them, than it has been in a long time. 
Well, the division is going to be eventually defined by the quarterbacks who have all been taken in the first round in the last three years. I mean, Josh Allen started it, you know, Zach Wilson, Tua Tonga-Valoa, you know, and we'll see eventually Mac Jones. And so we saw Tom Brady, you know, lead the charge for 20 years. Uh, And everybody looked up to the Patriots and they dominated the division. Can one of these quarterbacks do anything close to that? Uh, I don't know that. Nobody does. Uh, But, you know, it's going to be defined by young quarterbacks and which teams build best around those quarterbacks. And then the coaching aspect of it, you know, whether it's Sean, you know, Sean up in Buffalo, you know, whether it's Brian Flores, um, how long Belichick goes, Robert Sala, like, you know, it's going to be the quarterbacks and and the young coaches that are going to define this division. And who's going to take a stranglehold on it and own it? Can somebody do that? Or is it just going to be too balanced? We don't know yet. Baldy, my last question to you on this episode of the official Jets podcast is kind of where we started. You know, we're recording in May. The last game was early January in the 2020 season. And this is the time where each team feels good about their team because you have free agency, you have the draft. Everyone has the same record. I think a lot of Jets fans are juiced up and right. Like they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Do you think that there is reason to drink the Kool-Aid or you think that we got to pump the brakes a little bit and have realistic expectations for 2021? Because I think a lot of fans say it feels different this time around. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, there's a lot of cynicism surrounding the Jets and rightfully so they've, they've had a lot of restarts. You know, so I'm sure there are a lot of eye rolls, like Kim Kardashian eye rolls out there mm-hmm. when people talk about this reset. But I believe, like, you have to just be tabula rasa. You just got to clean the slate. Let these people do their jobs. Let Joe Douglas do what he's done in two places, in Baltimore and Philadelphia, and he wears hardware from both those stops. Let Robert Sala earn his stripes as a head coach. Let Zach Wilson show you why. He was the coveted number two pick in this draft. And, I, you know, that, that can't happen. It rarely happens right away. But I, I do believe that all Jet fans will see a difference than what they have seen since that last reset with Rex, which was, which was quite stunning. It was two straight, you know, AFC championship runs. Like, it came pretty quickly. And the defense got built really quickly, you know, when you have Darrell Revis and – you know, Antonio Cromartie, I mean, it's, it, and Rex calling defenses, it, it happened pretty fast. But let's just see. Let's just see. Let's give this a little bit of time. But I, I think this feels like a different reset to me than just about anything we've seen except for, for Rex and Tannenbaum and that group, um, you know, a while ago. Yeah, I would say enjoy the ride because this is the start of the journey, as Baldy just articulated. There are going to be bumps along the mm-hmm. way. It'd be foolish not to think so. But you can see the direction, and there are some foundational pieces in place. So, uh, Baldy, well said. You have an open invitation here at One Jets Drive, so we need to get you up here soon. Well, it, it's not going to be a good offseason, guys, if you're not you know, like allowing me in the building here to see what's <laughs> going on. I mean, I might just take it out on Baldy's breakdowns. But, no, I'll, I'll get inside, guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being around the team to be with you guys, to be in the new facility, to be in the new studio. I, I mean, I think it's a great way to kind of, 
like really restart this this jet program, which I think has a lot of promise right now. And that is the perfect way to end this episode of the official Jets podcast with none other than Brian Baldinger. We need a Baldy's breakdown of the studio when you come up here. Oh, no, no doubt. No question about it. Like I'm doing, I, I might bring the white gloves and do the white glove inspection because it looks <laughs> like that shine that EA has put on that desk right there is worthy of a no dust zone. Right we're, we're working hard behind the scenes here, Baldy. Thanks, brother. <laughs> All right, man. Take care, guys.